really awesome to see what God's doing. And uh, just really love Nate and uh, love his heart and love the ministry and love uh, just, uh, yeah, our hanging out. So just go ahead and come. Why don't we just pray that the Holy Spirit us? God, I thank you that you're here. Your presence is in this place. I thank you for uh, what you spoke to each of us last night, what you did at this altar, and what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you last night is not the end, but it's the beginning point. And uh, there are great things that you're doing. But God, we just open up our hearts, our minds, our, our just that we can receive today all that you want to do in our hearts. Thank you. 
place that God has for me in this time. And I really want to learn the things that he has for me. And um, yes, I think I need you to pray for me soon.
to turn to um, Nehemiah. I want this to be um, super interactive today. So if you guys have, if you have journals or iPhones or a way to take notes, um, this is this is more of kind of a, like a workshop style. So there's kind of four words I want to give you, and I'll talk a bit about each word. And if you guys want to take, I'll give you maybe five minutes to kind of maybe get in a group of two, three people. If you're not in the group thing, um, get in a group with God and and kind of process. I know some of us we process good, with, you know, best with people, and others we process best alone. So however it looks like for you to work this out, but I want us to actually kind of work it out a bit, put some things down on paper, put some things down in writing um, to kind of process through this idea of vision. How do I? How do I actually um, get vision? God actually wants us to be visionaries. And I think sometimes it's it's easier, it's tempting for people to just come to church and let the leaders be the visionaries. But God actually, like I said, you know, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, the greatest visionary ever. And he wants us to actually get vision for our life and get vision for our city and get vision for our families and our kids. And, our, and so this is kind of a helpful way to just get vision and be able to live out vision in the season you're in. So we'll kind of, we'll kind of talk through that. Nehemiah is this, this, uh, this ordinary dude that gets a vision and becomes a key visionary for his, his city. And uh, how many know the, the story of Nehemiah? You guys know this? Some of you. Who, who knows enough right now to just take 30 seconds and kind of just share what, what happens in um, this, this man named Nehemiah's life. Anybody? Anybody kind of know it? Yeah. So uh, like, the walls were like, completely destroyed around Jerusalem, and God gave him a plan and a vision to rebuild them. And those guys constantly harassing him, like, no, I'm going to do it. There's armies coming in and stuff. And then finally, he did do it, but there's a lot of time. A lot of tension, a lot of struggle to do it, kind of thing. Yeah, so he gets great. That, that's. You should. Here you come, you teach this. <laughs> So he, early on in this in chapter one, he gets um, one of his brothers comes to him. And Nehemiah just happens to be he's a, he's a Jew, but he's living um, as he's the cupbearer to a pagan king. So you know the Jewish people keep finding themselves, you know, being ruled by foreign kings and leaders, and here they are again. And uh, so and he happens to be the cupbearer to the king, which is a real just interesting place to be in. And so he gets word, one of his brothers comes, and, and he says, talk to me about Jerusalem. And uh, he says the walls and the gates have been um, destroyed. The gates have been burned um, you know, by fire. And, and really in this day, I don't want to get going to a ton, but the, the walls and the gates of the city, this was their identity, this was their security, this was you know, not having walls and not having boundaries was, he even uses the word disgrace, what a disgrace that, that they're, 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 uh, they're naked. Just imagine that our people are vulnerable, they're naked. And so he, he hears about the, the walls being destroyed by fire and the, and, and the fire of God begins to burn in him. So it's this, this story that this fire begins to burn in him. And it says in a, Verse 3 says, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. 
verse 4, so that you can highlight this one. But when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So, Nehemiah gets a passion here. So the first word is passion. And we're going to unpack this a bit. But um, just some, some context of um, what I believe God's doing in our day in the church. I really believe that the Lord is he's, he's calling out and raising up Nehemiah's. And, and this is just one of the things the Lord's doing. But it's interesting because here's Nehemiah who, who, uh, who hears about something happening in his city. He hears about the ruins of his city. And he can't ignore the fire any longer. He can't ignore the fact that there's this suffering and this pain happening. And so the fire of God begins to burn. And he weeps before the Lord. He prays to God. God gives him a, a vision. He walks among the ruins. He begins to see what God sees. And then he, he calls the nation to this vision of rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the gates and the nation of God. They recognize the hand of God on him. And, and, and they say yes to God. They say yes to the good work. This is just kind of the story. And uh, and so the, the people rally around Nehemiah and they begin to rebuild the ruins of the city. It's just a phenomenal story here that I feel like we're all living in. And a couple of things up front before I jump into the, these, um, you know, this uh, workshop, but uh, what's interesting to me is that that none of this is happening in the context of the church. And most of you, you will not live out your full-time calling. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in full-time ministry. There's no such thing as part-time ministry. It's Jesus did not die on a part-time cross. So... You guys can tweet that, but there's no such thing as you're here in full-time. You have a full-time call of God. You have the full-time God living in you. You have the full-time Jesus, the, the hope of glory in you. So, But this this particular story, why it's interesting to me is that is Nehemiah was not a pastor. He was not a leader in the church. He wasn't a priest. But Nehemiah was just an ordinary cupbearer. You know, he was an engineer. He was a barista. He was a mom. Like, he was just the, the ordinary, he, he was a loan officer, you know, he, he's a teacher, like he's just the ordinary guy thinking, what am I doing? Like there's this thing happening in my city and I'm here as a cupbearer. And I don't know if you've ever felt that, like, you know, I sense God wants to move over there, but I'm here. And why am I here? Why am I working this place? Why am I in this season when I feel like I should be there? And then that's what the I felt, he's this cupbearer is asking, well, what am I doing in the comfort of the palace when, when my people are lying in ruins? So uh, I want us to, like, most of you will not live out your full-time calling in the church. Most of you, you can live it out in real life. And some of you, you have a calling to the church, and I hope that, you know, that if you, if you haven't sensed the call of God come to you, some of you, you're going to be called to the church, you're going to become a voice in the church, you're going to impact your city from the church, but most of you, you're, the, the God's placed you as a cutler, and He strategically positioned you like Nehemiah where you are because you're meant to influence from there. And and at the heart of it, um, there are enough church people in the world. God's not looking for church people; He never has looked for church people. He's looking for kingdom people. Church people get stuck in the walls of the church, and they they rarely impact real life. But kingdom people realize that all of life is God's. 
It's all God. God wants it all. He wants business. He wants culture. He wants entertainment. He wants sex. He wants every generation. Like so, so there's church people, and, and God wants kingdom people. And they they recognize that the church isn't a place, but it's a people, and that God's placed the church all you know in all kinds of different spheres. So this is Nehemiah, who is the church, but he happens to be cupbearer and gets the call of God on his life. So. He gets, it starts off with passion. So if you guys want to write this down, if you're taking notes, write down passion. Passion is this, when you feel God. Passion is when you feel deeply about something. We need passion. And oftentimes vision begins with a passion. It begins with a feeling. I feel something. I, I feel God. I feel the call of God. And I'm not sure where this is, this is headed, but it's burning in me like a fire. Nehemiah weeps. The first thing he does is weeps. And oftentimes, you know, passion comes with a weep. Passion comes with a bother. It comes with an anger. It comes with uh, a feeling of, of um, injustice. It, it's this idea like the most visionary people on the earth are the most bothered people on the earth. They're just bothered. They're, if you're like just bothered by stuff you see in your city, or you're bothered by poverty, or you're bothered by trafficking, or, or you're bothered by what's happening in downtown, or you're bothered by the racism you see. If you're a bothered person, uh, most likely God's inviting you to become a visionary. But it begins with a bother, it begins with a burn, it begins with, you know, you've got to pay attention to your tears, you've got to pay attention to the thing that, that makes you angry, that and, and oftentimes for me, this ha- it happens in the most random places, the most random times where I start to get in tune with my passion. And this is where it begins. Like, it, it begins, it begins with a passion. And sometimes I'll be watching films. And, and, and the films that capture your heart, this is a window into your passion. And uh, there are certain films that just, you know, uh, anything to do with, like, a father and a son. Like, you guys know that movie, uh, Real Steel? Have you seen that one where, you know, here's this dad that, that hasn't really been a dad, and he gets reacquainted with his, his 15-year-old son, or maybe he's 11 years old, after years of, of being checked out, and they're, they're put back together in this movie, and, and Hugh Jackman's learning to be, um, you know, a, a, a dad for the first time, and his son is learning to be a son for the first time, which, it's, it's a lot of work to learn to be a son, and learn to be a father after years of not having that, and, and there's all this awkward interaction, and then there's this moment where they're both so frustrated because, because the, the, the son really wants a dad, but he doesn't have to be a dad. The dad wants a son, but he doesn't know how to win the heart of the son. And so he's angry. He gets so angry, he's screaming at his son, and then he, he walks away, and he turns around, and he says, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And this little boy says, says to his dad, I want you to fight for me. It's all I ever want. And I just lose it. I'm about to cry right now. I just lose it because it's like, and, but, but in that moment, I pause it because I'm like, all right, the Lord's starting up a passion here. There's a key here. There's something the Lord's doing. And, and so for me, like, one of the things I'm passionate about is seeing the hearts of fathers turn to sons. Hearts of sons turn to fathers. And I feel like it's, it's prophesied in, in Malachi or, or uh, the Italian prophet Malachi, whichever. And you see it, but Malachi says, Jesus had come to do so. So for me, that's just an area where, where I'm, I'm tuning in to man, I feel something there. Every time I, I 
see that or every time I hear that or maybe it's like an Instagram quote or something, I'm, I'm tuned in to go, wow, there's passion. <coughs> uh, my, my grandpa was a, uh, a revivalist and, and spent 50 years with grandma traveling the world, planted um, some of the first and, and many um, alliance churches in Canada, um, New Zealand, Hawaii, and the Philippines. And so an incredible legacy in, in those four countries. And, and uh, you know, he, he uh, about three years ago, he died. And my dad called me and said, hey, um, you know, meet me at, at Grandpa's office because we're going to take some books. And, uh, and I want you to have the first pick of the books. And so we showed up, and Grandpa's got all these books, just walls and walls and walls of books, just this incredible library that he's collected. And, books on counseling and sexuality and theology and all these books. But right in the middle, there was a row of about 50 books on revival. And I, and I, I had this box. Like, I, I didn't know how many books I'd take home that day. I don't know if I'd take home 500 books or four books. But I'm looking through all these books. At the end of the day, I filled a box with 50 revival books. And I'm like, they're the only books I wanted. And, and uh you know your passion by the books you take home from Grandpa's office. And then for years, for years, the, the, the thought of seeing an awakening in a generation, the thought of seeing the Bible, early on, like years ago, when I didn't even know I was passionate at all, years ago, someone gave me, they handed me a, a, like a revival book, and it was revival over the past like hundred years. And, and I remember reading it, and, and I'd be reading this book late at night, and I'd just start weeping, and I'd have to like put it away, because I didn't want my wife to see. And then I'd be on a plane, I'd be on a plane reading this book, and I'd just read about just the, the revival, Welsh revival, the Susa revival. I'd read about these revivals, and I just, I, I couldn't stop weeping. And I'd, just, I'd be on a plane, just sobbing, you know, and, and trying to explain to people around me what's happening in me. But this idea of, of passion, going to become a visionary, you've, you've got to, you, you, you've got to weep for something. You've got to burn for something. You've got to get stirred up. Something has to just make you so angry that, that you, you can no longer stay in the comfort of the palace. And, and this is this is where Nehemiah finds himself. We had a, we had a girl on our staff named Emily um, a few, few years back, and and that God began developing a, a passion for kids in Africa. And so every time we would talk about Africa or kids in Africa, she would just lose it. And at first we didn't know what was happening, you know, so we did clean it. And then, and then we started kind of messing with her. You know, I'd be in staff meeting and I'd just say Africa. And she'd just lose it. You know? we, just, we just started like, we'd just talk about it and she'd just start weeping. And so we had to tell her, which I don't think I should do that ever. <laughs> we did. So I want if you guys if you guys would take you know take just maybe five minutes right now and we're gonna come back and process this a bit. But what's your passion? Passion is when you feel deeply about something. What would what would your passion be? Would it, would it be men? Would it be women? Would it be kids? Would it, is there a nation? Would it be you know the hearts of fathers to sons? Would it be would it, would it be uh, bridging the gap between Christianity and poverty? Is it racism? Is it seeing tribes healed? Is it, is it, is it some people group you feel called to? Is it worship? Is it film? Is it writing? Like, um, how, many, how many here would say that, that you could give language to um, your passion? How many 
Let me hear from some of you guys. Just, just shout it out. Well, what a bent Okay, so you want to see people encounter Jesus. Okay, good. Someone else, yeah.
Okay. Anybody feel just a bit more passionate? Hey, so some passion is the first thing. Passion is uh, when I feel deeply about something and feel God. And, and hopefully this, like, I'm, I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking through you. Because this is something that you guys can use as you guys, you know, your leaders, your influencers, as you guys begin, you know, uh, leading and influencing and discipling people in your life that are confused about, you know, I'm doing, what's the call, what's God, this is a real easy way to go, what are you feeling, what are you passionate about, and, and help people, so I'm hoping that some of you will take this and begin to use this to help people as well, um, but so passion, the second word's vision, passion is when I feel deeply about something, vision is when I can see myself doing it, now vision is very important because I think a lot of people live in the world of passion and they never actually graduate passion and come into vision. And so a huge deal for me is to see people um, move beyond just passion and feeling God to actually envisioning with God. And vision is when you can see yourself doing it. If you can't see yourself doing it, then you don't have vision. And it's so important that we actually get vision for our lives, that we, that we, we, we pray beyond just passion and vision, like I feel this God, but, uh, you know, that, that we can see what God's doing. And part of it is, if we can't see what God's doing, we, we will never do what God does. And so it's a, it's a huge deal. The people on the earth that are actually doing what God does with God are the people who had a vision for it. Because no one stumbles into vision. Nobody does. You don't just stumble into a God moment. Oh, and I think some of us are hoping we stumble into a God moment, but people that are actually living out destiny, they had a vision. They saw something before they did something. So it's so important. One of the first things God gives you when you're born again, He gives you eyes to actually see into the kingdom of God, to see what God does. So Jesus says the Holy Spirit will actually show you things to come. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does is actually show you the future. So as people of God, and this is just fun, but as people of God, we're actually living from the future. We're people who have seen what's coming before it comes. So that when it comes, it doesn't. It may surprise people around us, but it didn't surprise us, it surprised us because we saw it already. So as the people of God, one of these always is showing us what, what to come. So we're just kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we see what's coming, and we're just living into what we've seen, and praying into what we've seen. So that's what vision is. It's actually seeing into the future. It's seeing what God wants to do. It's seeing what God is doing in him. And, and like, for example, how, how many of you, um, whenever you get a chance, someone in your life is sick, to be honest, be honest, I know it's medical, but um, whenever you get a chance, you pray for sick people. Raise your hand. Okay, some of you, uh, maybe have to. You pray for sick people. So uh, the people that raise their hand, that pray for sick people, They've actually seen themselves laying hands on sick people and sick people getting healed. They've seen that probably a thousand times. 
Because they've prayed into it. They have a vision that this is what God does. It's what God's doing. And, and they've had vision for, I'm going to lay my hands on people, and that broken leg is actually going to be healed. This person who's dead is going to come back from life. That's vision. They've already seen it. The ones of you that, that aren't doing that probably have never seen yourself doing it. That's why you're not doing it. Because we only do things we have vision for. We only actually do things we've seen ourselves doing already. Like preaching. How many of you have already, you, you, you've already seen yourself on a stage preaching? That people raise your hand. Many of you. And, and maybe some of you have done that. Some of you have, you have vision for it. You've already seen it. If I called you out of the crowd right now and said, get up here. You jump up here and you do it because you've seen it a thousand times. You've actually been dreaming about it. You have vision of, of, of you bringing this word that impacts your nation, right? And that's vision at some point. So Michelangelo, um, you guys have heard of him, uh, but at some point was, was carving um, the, the beautiful statue that we now know is that, you know, David, that statue of David. And uh, the story goes that as Michelangelo was, was uh, you know, carving and, and sculpting the statue, a young boy came alongside and said, old man, why are you hitting that rock? Michelangelo said, young boy, I'm not, I'm not just hitting a rock. There's an angel in this rock, and I'm carving to set him free. So vision is when everyone else sees a rock, you see the angel. And you're just carving away what, what isn't there to set that angel free. That's vision. Vision, here's Nehemiah. Who, who actually walks, it says that, that Nehemiah, he wept and he prayed and he sought the Lord and then he ended up walking among the ruins of his city and God begins to give him a vision of walls around the city. So where everyone else, if Nehemiah pointed and said, what do you see? Everybody, everyone else would say, I see ruins. And Nehemiah would say, well, you're not looking through the eyes of God because I see walls. So vision allows you to see what's not there yet. That's vision. So everyone saw ruins and Nehemiah saw walls. Everyone in this voice saw the rock and, and uh, Michelangelo saw the angel. Um, have you guys heard of, you've heard of uh, Disney World? Okay. Anyone been to Disney World? Some of you guys? So, so when they opened the grand, open, grand opening of Disney World, um, Walt Disney had died. So his brother was there standing at the, the, the window before they cut it. And one of his friends was standing next to him and turned to Walt Disney's brother and said, I wish Walt had been here to see this. And Walt's brother said, he did see it. That's why it's here. He did see it. So imagine like, imagine Disneyland or Disney World. Like at some point, I don't know what was there, but Walt Disney saw Disneyland before it existed. That blows my mind. Like that just, that's pretty amazing. So this is what God wants to ignite in you, that, that, that you would grow your passion into a vision, that, that I can have a passion for kids in Africa. But, but I, that's just a passion. I don't know what to do with that. Vision would be I can see myself teaching in a school. I can see myself discipling orphans. I can see myself, you know, preaching in a church in Africa, that kind of thing. Like, um, you know, I, I feel sometimes hard to see men become men. That's, that's a passion. Vision would be I can see myself leading a men's group. It's not vision unless you can see yourself doing it. And this is what God wants. As you pray, your passion becomes vision. You begin to, 
you begin to see walls where everyone sees ruins. And, and God wants, this is what God actually wants to be like. The Holy Spirit wants to show you things to come. And sometimes, sometimes you have to walk along the ruins of your city. Sometimes you've got to go on a trip. Sometimes you've actually got to leave the comfort of your palace and go somewhere to see what God sees. And this is Nehemiah. Like he, he has a passion, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And then as he walks among the ruins, that passion becomes a vision. He begins to see what God sees. And, and so, um, how many of you? How many of you feel? Uh, well, not feel. It's passion. How many of you have a vision? You can see yourself. You can see yourself on the wall. Okay, many of you. What's your vision? Somebody want to share that? You can see yourself doing it. Churches working together to empower students to reach their friends for Jesus. So, what are in your vision? What are you doing? I'm using the Healthy Build series to bring churches together to help students learn in schools. Yeah, good. Okay, vision. Got a visionary up here in the second pew. Yeah, I see like uh, like worship leaders playing like at the Grammy Awards and all like artists being like. All like those slumbers getting saved and get like first place and stuff. Yeah. All of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great vision. So where in that vision, where do you see yourself? Hey. Where do you see yourself? Oh, like vision? either um, leading worship or um, like into, like building leaders to do it, kind of like commissioning leaders to training them, producing and That's awesome. and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I love that. It's a good vision. Some over here. Shutting off the lights in the room and, and he's saying, Everyone walk to a corner. Without 
vision, we're going to just stumble over ourselves and laugh a lot. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most fulfilling. When we attend to what God reveals, there's a sense of when I, when I respond, when I say yes to the passion in my heart, and that passion becomes vision, I'm most fulfilling. And so part of it, could you imagine a church of people, like a resurgence of people, who actually had a direction, actually saw themselves on a wall, actually saw walls with their ruins, and began to move together in the direction of God. It would be so powerful. But I think so often the church is just kind of filled with people stumbling all over themselves to the next Sunday gathering. And we've got to, we just have to listen, we have to move beyond the gatherings. We can't be church people. Don't get stuck in the church. You are the church. Live the kingdom. And I felt like the Lord, even as I was praying for you guys on the plane coming over, I thought the Lord said, I'm, I'm anchoring a, a, like a, a group of people. I'm, I'm taking them beyond the hype. Like there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of smoke machines. There's a lot of, you know, moving cross film backgrounds in worship. Did you see those? You see those? You're worshiping. There's like spinning crosses. And you're just thinking like, is that like... Is that what Jesus died for? Is that, like, is that what he lives for? You know, there's a lot of hype right now. I look at it and I go, I don't know. Like, I just want, I feel like the Lord wants to do something here. He, he, I honestly feel like many of you, he wants to kind of ruin your life for church. Yes. yes. And, and this, I love the church. I, I, I lead a church, but the church is a food. The church is a people living the kingdom of God. The goal isn't to get more people to church. The church is to get, the, you know, the, the purpose is to get the church to people. Yeah. And to get the church people to become kingdom people. So I think part of that is vision. Like, I'm passionate about this. I have vision for this. And, and I love gatherings. I'm about gatherings. Like, we do gatherings every week at our church. So gather, but, but know that the, the gathering is just, it's like a family reunion. Gathering is not what you live for, it's what you live from. So, um, guys, just take a couple minutes and let's talk through vision. Like, what when you, um, you know, when you think of the passion and vision, like, what do you see yourself doing on the earth? What do you see yourself doing in the city? What do you see, see yourself doing? And kind of just process that. Do you have vision? And uh, we'll come back in a couple minutes. Thank you. 
Okay, so um, I'll move through these last two fairly quickly, but we talked about um, passion and feeling God, and then vision, seeing God, and vision where I can see myself doing it with God. And, it's, and, and the third word is this, we have to be on passion, vision, and it's prayer. So prayer is the pathway from passion to vision. Talking to God, where's the pathway? You've got passion in your life. Ah, I've got some passion, but I uh, want to see that passion become vision. Prayer's the pathway. And I love when Nehemiah here, he weeps and, and walks on the ruins, but then it said that he, he mourned, fasted, and prayed to God. Four months, Nehemiah just prayed. Just because the Lord gives you a passion doesn't mean you're supposed to run out and do something. So for four months, he just prayed and sought the Lord. He didn't know what to do with it. I feel like the prayer journey with God is vital because in prayer, like, like prayer doesn't make God do stuff. Prayer makes us aware of what God's doing. And so, so prayer, prayer is so powerful. Prayer, prayer does, you know, you can see in the Bible, it doesn't move the heart of God. God responds to prayer. I, I think that, you know, I think it's balanced. He says that God does nothing to save the prayers of his people. So I think there is, you know, prayer is vital. But prayer actually gives us eyes to see what God's doing. Prayers for us, talking to God and going, I feel this, God, help, help me see what you're, what you're doing. And sometimes that happens in a prayer closet. Sometimes it happens when you're actually walking among the ruins. So there's there's a sense of like, sometimes God speaks to you in worship. Worship for me is a place that I see the most. When I'm worshiping God and praising God, you know, I'll be, I'll be just like singing this song and then I'm writing in my journal for like an hour. And it's because... It's because the worship turned to the song that I'm singing, to this vision I'm seeing. And so you got to find those places of prayer. Some people, they climb mountains, um, which is what Jesus did. But I get really distracted on mountains. <laughs> I, honestly, like, I can't really hear from the Lord well in nature because I get so distracted by, like, birds and noises. I, I can't do it. So uh, for me, for me, uh, we've got a, a coffee house in town. And if I can sit in a coffee house and drink coffee and, and, and sit with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in journal, I, I hear from the Lord best in worship and in coffee houses. This is it. Films. Films for me. So I think you figure out that place, what does prayer look like for you? Prayer is talking to God. And prayer is, but but, but there, are, there, there are places of prayer. There, there are seasons of prayer and places of prayer where you begin to, you begin to pray through. It's like an old, old school way of praying through. I've got some passion. I'm going to pray it through into vision until I can see what God's doing, until I can see the walls. For some of us, it happens. Like, how many of you feel like the Lord gives you vision easy? Like, it just comes to you. Like, you walk in a place, you see it. See, how many of you feel like it's a journey? It's more of a journey. You're trying to navigate. Like, it's a little foggy, but I know God's in it somehow. And by getting in that, that, that journey, that prayer journey with the Lord, you know, to, to, to know what he's doing, um, to be able to see those walls among the ruins. Now, how he prays here. So this is so, so fast when I feel uh, something, visions when I see myself doing it. Um, prayer is this. Prayer is what I'm asking God to do. Write that down. Prayer is what I'm asking God to do. What are you asking him to do? What's your prayer? And I love, I love... Nehemiah gets this vision, and then he prays this prayer. And his prayer is incredible. It's in verse 1, 11. 
the end part of his prayer. He says this, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. He prays. Listen, his prayer is so strategic. Uh, I think some of us, like, we, we've been praying these big Hail Mary prayers to the Lord. Like, we've got a basketball and we're just pointing it up and, like, hopefully it goes in the hoop, right? These big, like, God, I hope you're out there. We're throwing these massive, like, rent the heavens. God, save my campus in a day. God, would you, would you bring me a girlfriend? You know, these, like, these, these big prayers. We're just throwing out to the Lord. But Nehemiah prays this, like, strategic Praise, he says, he, he, he sees, he sees um, this vision of these walls. And, and, and he prays to the Lord and says, Would you give me? I'm the cupbearer to the king. I'm in the palace. I'm in the comfort, but I, I feel called to the ruins. I feel called to, to, to gather my nation to rebuild the walls of the city, to see, to see the king of kings come back into the city. So his prayer, though, is his prayer is, Would you give me favor with the king? So that I can go build that wall. It's really interesting because he doesn't pray, God, would you rebuild that wall? He doesn't ask God to do what God is calling him to do. I think a lot of times we're asking God to do what he's called us to do. We're like, God, would you do this? Would you do that? And God's like, oh, okay, I call you. I choose you, but his prayer is, his prayer is, is so focused. I think we need to become more focused in our prayers. There's something about honing in your prayer and focusing your prayer and praying for that thing that moves the heart of heaven. When I throw, when I throw the massive prayer of the heaven, I think it's, it gets lost in a cloud somewhere. Like, that's not true, but you know what I'm saying. But, but if, you got, if you move the heart of that king to send me, I can rebuild this wall. The, the dream involves you. As this man would say. Like God's vision involves you. God doesn't live out vision without you. He lives vision through you. So it involves you. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah can see himself on the wall. Not God on the wall. And he prays. But God I, I need the door. Like, I need that king. To send me to, to be on that wall. So he, he doesn't. This is what I call. We can pray open the heavens prayers. But Nehemiah prays and open a door prayer. God, if you'll open that door, I can get on that wall. God, if you, if, you, if you move the heart of that person, if you give me favor with this person, if you, God, if you, it's very specific. I think, like, God, save my campus, but what about, God, I'm praying for that particular person? Very specific prayers. What's your prayer? I think many of us, we actually don't know what we're asking God for. And so some of us, like, God's not moving in our life because we haven't really asked Him to do anything. And so part of it is honing in our prayers. So we, real quick story, we, about a year and a half ago, we have this, this, uh, this our church, we have this, you know, this space that we, that we own. And, and uh, we were about to build a whole kids, like, outdoor playland right up back, we like you right back there, and we were raising money for this kid's playland, and one morning I woke up, and I was supposed to come to the church, and like, just give this word, and raise some money, and the, and the Lord said to me, he said, he said, why are you putting it there? 
And, and the Lord said this. He said, that's not, that's, that's a walkway. That's a walkway. And, and I said, what do you mean, Lord? And, and he said this. He said, Nate, if I gave you the entire block, would you really put a kid's land right there? And I'm like, no, not at all. Like, I was, I was thinking, this is all land will ever happen. I was like, if I give you the whole block? And he's like, that's going to be a walkway. <laughs> so it's just the Lord expanding my vision. Like, I thought it was, I, just, I was dreaming way too small. And so I began to pray. And we prayed a prayer in front of the church. A few weeks later, we prayed this prayer. And there's something about praying big, focused prayers, you know, in front of people that are real dangerous. But there's something about, like, hey, if you pray in front of people, like, God has to hear, right? And so we, I prayed for the church. I said, hey, guys, I'm praying, like, a sun stand still prayer. And I said, I want to pray for, very specifically, I want to pray for the businesses. We've got about five businesses on our, on our block. I want to, God, I'm praying that you would bless the businesses on our block. So much so that they have to leave. Because they need bigger buildings. Bless them so they have to leave. So we can have their space. Because you promised us the whole block. We prayed as a church. Everyone's kind of laughing. But we're praying it. We're extending our hands. Three weeks later, it's a year three weeks later, a couple next door that owned 12,000 square foot um, building next door. It's probably the best space on the block. They, they, um, they come to us. They say, hey, who's your leader? Who's your pastor? They don't know the Lord. They come to our church. Um, they pulled me out after church service, and they said, hey, listen, our space is available in a month. The business here, they're blowing up. And they have to find a, a bigger building out on this, this like out of town road. It's going to be available, and we can see our youth, or we can see your youth in our space. They like prophesied the purpose of God for the space, and we're like, we just prayed that. We literally prayed, God, we need a space for you. Bless the businesses. Three weeks later, so so just the focus prayer, like the Lord moved. We came back to the church the next week, like you guys would not leave yourself. And I'm like, do you guys remember what I just prayed? Very specific. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, it just happened. Like four weeks later, I'm able to share with the church. And so we've been praying prayers, very specific prayers in front of the church all the time. Just like, hey, God, would you open that door? God, would you, would you stir the heart of the God, would you do this? And, and these specific prayers that Lord's answering because I just think he, he, he wants to answer prayer. And sometimes it's just it's too vague for him. It's like, see my whole city, God, he's like, yeah, it's awesome. Let's, let's, let's hone in on person. Let's, let's start with like a... So, and, and obviously, like, not every, not every prayer God answers, you know, in, in the way that we want or in the timing that we want. So this isn't like a, you know, vending machine God thing. But it, 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 it is like when you have vision, begin to hone your prayers. And, and, and know what you're asking God to do because God wants to move on your behalf. And uh, so we're in the process now. This, this same couple, it's interesting because in the story of Nehemiah, um, and that was the story that we kind of brought to the church, Nehemiah, but that not only does Nehemiah get favor with the king, but the king funds the entire vision. The pagan king, his heart's so stirred, he's like, I'm going to pay for the whole thing, which is crazy. So this couple that came to us, like we knew from the very beginning, we knew that this, this wasn't just about their building, it was about them too. And that God wanted to do something in their lives to be sharing with uh, them our vision. It turns out when they came to Reading 13 years ago, they had it in their hearts to, to invest in a youth center, a youth movement. So they came back to us 
And, and the project's costing us $800,000 to renovate this 12,000 square foot warehouse, do this, this catalyst center for our city, and rewriting the father of the story in our city, and going after the 6,000 at-risk homeless youth. And the vision's incredible. They came back to us and they said, we want to give you the first $400,000. And, and so, incredible. They said, I'm going to give this to you, and eventually we want to sell you the building, and and we want to do like a 10-year, really low interest rate that you can begin to lease this thing way, I mean, way less than the bank would give us. So it's interesting that I, I, I believe, like, I, I have more, I, I struggle. I struggle a lot with, does God really answer prayer? I really do, because I pray a lot of things that just didn't happen. And, and now the Lord's giving me a, a renewed faith, and part of it is, is my prayers are becoming more specific. And, and, and there's something on that, and so whatever faith it release. So, okay, take, um, let me let me ask this. I don't know. We won't get in groups this time, but um, so so when it comes to your passion and vision, do some of you guys have a specific prayer? Is there something you're asking God to do? Is there a specific door? Is there a specific person? Is there? How many of you guys have that kind of prayer right now? Do you? Do? Some of you guys, what do you, how about you? Um, just opening the door for uh, my previous employment. I actually feel called to go back, but I was actually let go from that employment. So, um, just looking for doors to open. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going in there that I feel passionate about, that I feel called to. But right now, I just don't see the opportunity. Yeah, good. Travis, how are you? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of prayers. I know one prayer. I don't know if you're really sure. Part of it would be to have a, have a bit of a space. A space. And more staff. And just more how do we grow. Can we, can we ask the Lord for that right now? What yes. yeah. yeah. space? Yeah. A resurgence in house. Me too. I'm going to pray, God, we just, we, we, God, you're, you're the God of Edmonton, and you're the God of the resurgence. And so, God, we pray, we pray, God, that you would, um, you would gift to this community a space. Um, and I, I pray you would put in the hearts of, of a, a couple or a, a business owner or a company to actually, to actually give a space. And, and so we, we pray that I ask that you would give give this team eyes to see that space. So I pray you highlight it, God, that when they see it, they would know. And, and they would know because, God, you highlighted it. Like, you, you you put your hand on the space and let them see your hand on it. But I also, I also pray you, you move in the hearts of the owner um, to be generous and to just give this um, a, a home, a house for this movement to impact the city, to see to see a, a, a healing work among the church, to see tribes come together, to see the kingdom of God come here in this city on earth as it is in heaven. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We prayed it. We prayed it. All right. So prayer is what you're asking God to do.
one of the things um, we're doing um, in our city, about, about four years ago, I was coming back from a trip to Latvia, and on the plane, the Lord, always, I don't know why, the Lord always gives me vision on planes. And I'll get words, people, he, Charlie gave me a word a few years back, but people always get words for me that involve planes. Part of it is just the you know the, the call on my life, the apostolic call, and, and the deceit stuff from you know the from the planes. So when I'm on planes, like I hear from the Lord, and I had a vision. I could see it so clearly, and it, it, it had been kind of a rumbling passion for a long time. But I had finally it became a vision in a moment where I saw all of the the pastors and leaders of the churches in our city on one stage, and we were gathering the. We were gathering the church of Redmond. And so I saw it so clear that I came back and I just I wept on the plane and I and I journaled and it just was so clear. So I got back and I and I started meeting with pastors and leaders that some that I had a relationship with, some new, and I just said, you know, I really feel like um, that this is going to happen. And, and that we're meant to gather the, the, the entire church of our city. And it took about two years of, of prayer. You know, I, I thought this was going to happen in a week. I thought it was going to happen tomorrow. Like, I, I wish that the Lord, you know, showed us something the day before it's supposed to happen. It would be so much easier, you know, if the Lord gave you a vision and then, you know, okay, it's going to be God. God's the 24-hour God. It happens in a day. But, but it's somewhere between four months or, if you're Moses, 40 years. So it's somewhere between four months and 40 years, biblically. And... So, uh, so it took a couple of years to, to be praying into this, but I started really honing my prayers. And my, my prayer wasn't, God, would you gather the city? Because that's, because that's what God was calling me to My prayer wasn't, God, would you stir the heart of the city and want to gather? My prayer was, God, would you give us favor with pastors and leaders of every church in town? And there were about five, um, there's... There were about five churches that around that time started gathering and hosting conferences against our church. And uh, I have so many stories. So, dude, there were DVDs released to like 100 churches. Crazy stuff. Okay, There were about five churches that started hosting. Um, and our, our church, honestly, like we, it's an alliance church. It's not super charismatic. Like we, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In revival, I mean, it's pretty much the stuff Jesus believed in, you know. But we're not, we're not super conservative. We're not like like ultra charismatic. We're just like we just love Jesus, and and so they they were they were kind of anti kingdom of God and anti Holy Spirit and anti so any church that that, that that wasn't you know kind of you guys know there's kind of like a word versus spirit war. Like we're a word church, you know, and we're a Holy Spirit church, and there's this thing, and it's like Jesus was the Word and the Spirit, right? He's both. How can you be a word church? The Holy Spirit wrote the Word. Like I don't know, you can't be, you can't be a Spirit church without the Word of God, like the, the Living Word of God. So it, it's just really funny this kind of battle that's kind of ridiculous, and and, uh, and so they were hosting uh, conferences for two to three years anti our church, uh, the churches in our city, and. And I actually got invited to it by one of the pastors. So like, hey, she come and I'm like, hey, what? You just invited me to the conference against me? You know? <laughs> Why would I go to that? Actually, I, I love tension, so I almost did go. You know, I'm like, can I speak? <laughs> <laughs> I had to talk 
uh, it was funny. It's a lot of um, one pastor was preaching out against our church. Okay, he literally people were telling me, "Hey, he's naming you. He's naming the stirring." I'm like, "What's he saying?" I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm not angry. I'm kind of. I'm just curious. I'm impressed. You know, and, and uh, a whole wheel of cheese. You know, and so. Some guys are here. So I, I go. I go down. So I decided, like, I love, I love tension, I love, you know, controversy. So I told my wife, I'm going down, I'm going down this week. So I show up at this guy's church, and he's, and I'm just waiting for it. And I don't know that he knows who I am, like in person. I've never met this guy, and so I'm sitting in the back, and and uh, halfway through the gathering, people, you know, I think someone came and told him. He came back and handed me a book and said, "You'll read this if you know what's best for you." You know, and I'm like, what just happened? This is crazy. This is really happening. And then he got up and started to preach against our church, this and that, and end times, you know, heresy and all this. And I'm like, I don't know. So I ended up actually the next week. The next week I met with, I knew some of the guys on this board, like friends of mine. I met with some of these guys and said, it's really weird. You know, your pastor's like publicly slandering me in our church for no reason. There's no substance to it. Like, we, we preach the Bible every week, and we love Jesus, and there's like, there's no reason for it. I'm listening, and they say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go talk to him. And so I met with him again a couple weeks later. They listened to the last 12 messages on our podcast. And the elder board said, we, we are so sorry. We're like, um, you know, we, we apologize. We confronted our pastor, and, and, and he won't budge. Um, you know, but everything you're preaching is the word of God, so we're behind you, do all that's in your heart. It was just a really weird deal. Um, so, all this to say, hey, where did this start? What am I talking about? <laughs> praying, yes, okay. So, so there's this, so we start praying. Listen, we're actually praying for these pastors that are hosting these conferences and praying that the Lord would stir their hearts. And, and, and I'm meeting with these guys, and, and one of them, he actually, like, after about a year, I get an email from him, and he says, can we meet? I meet with him, and, and he just repented. He just said, man, I, you know, on behalf of our church, I'm here to, to, to repent. And go, man, we've, we've, um, we've grieved God and, and the way that we've slandered your church, and we're here to say that, that uh, we want to be a part of the kingdom of God in the city. And, and, and it started happening, like pastor after pastor started coming. A guy sat me down at Red Robin about... Um, probably six months ago now, he said, hey, you know, I never met this guy, but he said, hey, everyone says you're the guy to meet with to repent. <laughs> so, okay. And so this is happening in Red Rock, and he just said, man, our churches have been closed off to the body of Christ. We've been anti the charismatic church. We've been, we've been wounded. We've been hurt. And, and I, I'm still thinking it's funny that we're charismatic church, because I'm like, well, we, if charismatic is we believe the Holy Spirit, then now we're as charismatic as it gets. But like, He's never been to our church, so part of it is just, you know, the, the story people make up in their minds. And, and so he just said, you know, we want to be a part of the, 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 the church of Reading and, and this gathering you guys are doing. So this, this thing is happening because we started praying specifically for churches and pastors by name. And the Lord started just moving and, and convicting. The Holy Spirit started stirring hearts. So, long story short, this last, um, this last Good Friday in our city... We gathered almost 7,000 um, people, disciples, believers from over 100 churches in our city. And it was, you know, an incredible gathering. We only got about 90,000 in our city. So 
it's, it was a massive deal, and we worshipped, and we praised God, and it was super conservative and super charismatic, but we gathered at the cross, and, and the goal isn't to get everyone under one roof, the goal is to get everyone under one father, you know, which is a very different vision, like that's the vision, it's not under one roof, but under one father, which is, which is deeper and richer and further, it's the heart of God, so all that to say, God wants to answer prayer, you just gotta like figure out what you're actually asking God to do, amen? Okay, the last thing is this season. And we talked about this a lot yesterday, so I don't want to overdo this one. But um, passion, vision, prayer, season. Prayer is what you're asking God to do. Season is what God's asking you to do. Season, timing, this is what God's asking you to do. And this is a huge deal because sometimes I think we have vision, we have passion. And, and I've found sometimes we, we, don't, we don't actually know what we're asking God to do. And we don't know what God's asking us to do. That's just really confusing. So I think this is helpful to go, what's God asking you to do? Because, again, I said it last night over and over again, but visionaries are most free when they know the season they're in. I'm most fulfilled when I, when I know I'm doing what God's asking me. And even though it might not be like, you know, I'm not preaching yet, but God said, study the word. So I'm studying the Word, and I can't get enough of the Word, and I'm diving into the Word, and, and I'm fulfilled because I, I, I know that if I keep marching in the direction of God, I will preach one day. But the Lord has said, march right now. March. He said to Joshua, I want you march for seven days. So when I know I'm marching in the direction of God, I'm most free and fulfilled because I know it's just a matter of time before I... before the walls open. Just a matter of time before... Before this thing gets fulfilled, because I know what God's asked me to do. So I think it's so important. Uh, a guy, a, you know, a guy approached me about four years ago, and he invited me to um, to be a part of a, a, a global speaking movement. And at this point, I hadn't traveled at all. I wasn't speaking out. I was just kind of like an ordinary local church pastor. I hadn't really done anything. He said, you know, he recognized something on my life and said, hey, we can be in a different country every month and we can travel the world and we can speak out and we can gather new people. All of that felt like something that God had put in my heart years ago. It felt like the right thing. And I remember my wife and I prayed that night and very quickly the Lord said, no. No. And it was an easy no, but it was a very difficult phone call. Because when I called when I called this friend, I said, I'm so honored that you, you know, invite me to be a part of this, but we prayed and we thought that the Lord said no. The Lord very specifically said, Be faithful with the stage you're on. Be faithful with your kids and be faithful with your marriage right now. It was very clear. The season is what God was asking you to do is pour your life into your kids, your greatest disciples, pour your life into your, your wife, your, your best friend, and pour your life into your local church. Period. And it was a hard phone call because I felt like, I felt like, why am I missing my shot? Like, is this, is this my open door, right? Is this my chance? Like, I feel like I just got the invitation of a lifetime to travel the world with, with this team. And, and, and uh, but immediately after this phone call, I hung up the phone and the Lord said to me, He said, if you're faithful with the stage, you're home. If you're faithful with your kids and you're faithful with your wife, I will open up the doors to the nations. 
It's so clear. I wrote it down and told my wife that night. I said, the Lord just said, he'll open up the doors of the nations. I had no idea how at that point, because I feel like I just shut the door. And, and, and the, Lord said, the Lord said this. He said, I am the door. Like, I thought I missed my shot. The Lord's like, I am your shot. Right? I am I am the door. Like, I'm the one. And, and, and so, just knowing the season you're in, knowing that it's time to, to, to march. And the Lord told Joshua, for six days, be silent. Some of you, some of you, like, it's just time to be silent. And then the seventh day, shout. So maybe it's time to shout. Stop being silent. So part of it is just like, what is God asking you to do? And just getting people in your life and hearing from the Lord to know um, the, the season. And, uh, and since then, it's been interesting because the last four years, the Lord's been opening up doors to nations. And, and I can't say, I, I, I promise you, that not one of these doors God has opened to the nations has anything to do with something I did, but everything to do with who I am. And trusting that I'm a son and he's a good, good father. And trusting that the Lord said, the Lord said, march. My job's to march. His job's to knock those walls down. Right? My job is to be faithful with the local church, which is hard for me. Like, I, I never wanted to pastor a church. I want to impact cities on the earth. But the Lord's over and over again saying, be faithful with, with your church, and I'll allow you to impact cities. But let, let me impact cities, you be faithful with your church. And since then, the Lord opened up all kinds of doors. And, and it's been amazing, you know, with Norway and, uh, and Mexico and Canada and Australia and Latvia and Switzerland and the Lord's just opening up doors to the nations and it's like God is so he's so good to get us there if we can be faithful here but you gotta know you gotta know when it's time to serve some of you want to lead but the Lord's saying it's not time to lead it's time to serve believe in your life and so you serve and the Lord's so good to to, to call you then to lead and, and so how many of you you, you, you know the season here like you, you can give language to right now like you know what the Lord said I'll ask people this all the time that are just confused I'm not sure I'll go what does God say and sometimes they know and sometimes they say well, I don't know well, that's probably a good thing to know like get the word of the Lord because the, the word of the Lord like what God has said is everything it's everything. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm going to pray for you guys. Can you do that? You guys are standing.
our generation. And so, God, I, I pray you stir up passion. You bring clarity of vision. Some of you, your vision is too small. God wants to give you the whole block. You're making plans. They feel big to you, but without God, the plan's too small. Teach us how to pray. Specific prayers, Lord. A space in this city. God, show us what to do now. Show us what step to take now. Sometimes all we need to know is the next step. Sometimes God is He's just a lamp to your feet. And that's all you get. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I don't know, I was up in the Arctic 